0: Hello and welcome to another episode of the 19th Tee, your weekly dose of golf without the jacket and tie. And another big week in the world game of golf, including a first-time winner once again on the PGA Tour. So we'll dissect that and much, much more on this week's episode. Joining me, as he always does, it's a pleasure to welcome my playing partner, the Sultan of Sloss, Mr. High and Right himself, Nathan Birdie Drewster, What's happening?
1: <laughs> what an introduction! That's um, that's incredible. Oh, mate, what a big week of golf it's been across multiple continents as well, of course. Lanto Griffin and the Italian Open not going uh, all to plan for my prediction last week, which I declared quite easily that Francesco Molinari was going to win that. So uh, I'm forced to eat humble pies today.
0: Yes, mate, we'll get back into that in plenty more, as we said uh, on this week's episode. But as we start each and every week we have a special guest which can is joining us this week Druids.
1: yeah we've gone local from wa and personally one of my favorite breweries um not necessarily up there in the in the top craft uh producers in, in in australia or even in western australia whenever that um but this week we've gone for the cheeky monkey brewing uh double ipa this is a big big beer uh km so hopefully we're uh, we're we're okay at the end of this one. It is 8.8%. It's their uh, double IPA, as I mentioned. Um they call it tropical fun. Uh, but we'll see, we'll see how that pans out. So ready to crack it and um and get stuck into it this week.
0: Right into it. Let's do it. Yeah, okay. Wow. I thought I'd already
1: had dinner tonight, Dreads. There you go, feel look. <laughs> it's yeah. like <laughs> plenty behind that it whacks Still you um, of body, so. yeah there's a lot of body in it and it um it's obviously very hoppy double ipa but um we will uh probably slowly sip away, sip away on this
0: one I'd yeah, say. we might take all all of the available minutes of this week's episode to work our way through the, the cheeky monkey now no, winners and losers as we always do droodster yes and friend have the honors uh this week kick us off with our winners
1: yes i do and and we are going to begin uh, in a very predictable place uh but a very deserving place and, and our first winner for the week is lanto griffin and, and while we're at it we'll probably do a quick recap of the houston open of course the tournament that he did win he finished 14 under one shot ahead of scotty harrington and mark hubbard um overcame a pretty average second round of, of two over um and then 65 in the third round and 69 in the final round um it was a pretty interesting sort of tournament, I thought. Um, across the four days, um, obviously, he broke the deadlock on the 16th. His 33-foot putt, which was um, fantastic, um, which was 33 feet. I don't think I've ever drained a putt from 33 foot. He leads the FedEx Cup now. Uh, his tour cards locked up for a couple of years, um, and, I, and I just want to touch on his backstory f- for a moment, Marshy. This is yeah,
0: quite amazing, Trude. It it's, is. Uh, it was quite a quite quite a phenomenal story to read back on, on Lanto Griffin's journey, uh, quite the journeyman having spent a lot of time on minority tours. But but even before that, uh, I suppose, what, quite a, a difficult uh, difficult childhood.
1: Yeah, it was. Um, and I suppose it's a couple of weeks in a row where there's been some, I suppose, emotional stories in, in our winners. Um, Lanto's father uh, passed away when he was 12 years old um, and at the time head pro um, at uh, Blacksburg Country Club in, in Virginia, Steve Prater, uh, became a bit of a father-like figure to Lanto. Um, and on the same day, his father actually died. Steve told him that he'd received an honorary membership to Blacksburg. A few years later, uh, Virginia Commonwealth University, obviously, in uh, Virginia there. Came knocking for college golfers, signed Lanto on a full-ride scholarship. Um, and then, you know, from there, obviously, he got through his college career. And then once he made it, sort of, uh, you know, went professional. In 2014, he had just 176 bucks in his bank account. In 2017, he decided to quit the sport. He had $30,000 credit card debt. um, And then he saw a sports psychologist and his life just changed. Um, He he later won in Nashville on the Corn Ferry Tour. That led to membership on the PGA Tour. He lost his card later the same year, returned to the Corn Ferry Tour. um, And and here he is uh, winning the Houston Open, which... Um, I suppose this year perhaps didn't hold the stature that it has in, in previous years, but nonetheless, Lanto Griffin is a PGA Tour winner, um, and, and he's a phenomenal winner from this weekend.
0: Yeah, absolutely, Drew. I, I couldn't agree more. And what I really liked about it, I mean, I know that we talk big names uh, on on this podcast a lot, and, and 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 they are the star power that drives the game. But but to be fair, stories like Lanto Griffin's, in my mind, uh, really speak to the community aspect at the very heart of the game Uh, and to hear that that touching story the backstory of the priorities local muni club uh, who you know really took him under his wing at a difficult time in his life and and showed him that golf could be a could be an escape could be his solace and 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 it's a it's a game that he has pursued for love for a period of time and now um, as his career is really rounded out and I thought um, I thought it was well addressed he had a he had a quote from the from the post-round press conference that I really enjoyed uh, that really kind of summed up that sentiment. He said, not everybody's going to be a Jordan Speth or Ricky Fowler or top in the world. Some of us, it takes us we're 28, 29 to get on tour. George McNeil, I talked to him last week and he was 30 and he's played for 14 years. So hearing stories like that, that's more who I am. There's nothing wrong with that at all. Life's still great. I'm not going to change. And I thought that that was a, a really touching, um, I, I suppose, reflection on his journey to date, Druids, and, and realising that it hasn't been smooth, uh, but but the downs are what make the up so sweet. And, and to see his reaction, to see him having flown his his, his girlfriend in the night before, uh, knowing that he was mm-hmm. a, a decent chance, and, and to see that embrace on the 18th green, and then to see him um, obviously get quite emotional talking about the the contribution of his father buying him his first golf set in that post, uh, post-round post press conference. I, I thought it was a wonderful story. And and once again, as you flagged, fantastic to see another first-time winner uh, on the PGA Tour and fantastic to see what it means uh, to those guys who break through for their inaugural win.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Couldn't agree more. I know we do want to touch on, on Scott Harrington here and he could be a winner in his own right. But I just very briefly, just your 10-second recap of, uh, of how you thought the Houston Open played out what were your what were your thoughts on it
0: yeah look druid i think disappointing and 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 we'll touch on this ironically in the the loser section that i uh, take carriage of this week but uh, disappointing for one of the oldest uh, tournaments on the tour uh, mm. to have been shafted in a lot of senses in terms of where they've been moved in the schedule and moved to fall uh, a week before you know, a highly lucrative CJ cup over in, over in Asia. Hmm. And uh, I think you saw that play out. I mean, we spoke about the, the poor crowds in Nevada last week and, and that carried over in a sense yeah, to, here to Houston. And, and I suppose you cannot blame uh, the local Houston's, obviously a, a town very close to my own heart, um, hashtag Texas forever. But I think Druids, you know, in a sense, when you, when you don't have a top 30 player in your field, what drives a golf fan to come out and, and see. And, and yes, we've been fortunate to see a fantastic finish. Another you know, second week in a row, it's come down to either a playoff or the, or the very last hole as it did here in Houston. But uh, And obviously a fantastic story for, for, for Lanto Griffin. But if you're the average golf fan in Houston, you've probably never heard of Lanto or his story. So there's nothing driving you to come out. And I think in a lot of ways, um, distasteful in my mind to see one of the oldest tournaments uh, with, with a great history of, of previous winners on the tour. Uh, be shafted in a sense of of being rescheduled in the fall, uh, where really you're not going to attract big names.
1: Yeah, agree. I thought um, I thought it was probably a pretty disappointing four days. All in all, just uh, before I do move on to uh, to the second winner, I do want to make mention of Scott Harrington, who finished T uh, two behind um, Griffin. There, obviously, um, it's been a roller coaster for the 38 year old um, Scotty Harrington. The last few years, obviously, he's taken some time off to to care for his wife Jen, who's battled two separate bouts of Hodgkin's lymphoma, um, he's an incredibly popular player. He had to step away from the tour. There was a GoFundMe uh, page started by the players with pros from web.com and PGA Tour. Um, It raised more than $130,000. Steph Curry donated uh, $25,000. He secured his card with a tap in birdie on 18, um, obviously at the Portland Open with Jen Greenside to celebrate, which was amazing. He's now played four events finished inside the top 25 in in three of them. So he's having a really, really good season. And and I thought it was just worthy of mentioning him uh, very quickly. Oh, the
0: perspective that he brought uh, Druids in in the post round, I thought was fantastic. You know, a lot of people talking to him about um, the pressure. He, he, He carted a five under in the final round to put himself right in the mix, obviously finishing one shot behind Lanto Griffin and, people asking about the pressure that he felt um, down the stretch uh, and and he put it into great perspective in, in the sense that, you know, this is not pressure. You know, what, what I've been through, what my family's been yeah. through, my wife in particular has been through in the last couple of years is pressure. Uh, and this for me is, is a game that I love and a game yeah. that I uh, thoroughly enjoy, uh, you know, being able to walk the course for four rounds. So did I feel pressure? No, not at all. And I, I thought that perspective will really hold a player like Scott Harrington in, in great stead moving forward. But as you say, an incredibly popular figure on, on the tour, and it's great to see him take full advantage of, of being promoted um, to the PGA Tour with this card this season.
1: Absolutely. Winner number two for the weekend. We hop across the pond to Italy and the Italian Open, and the winner for uh, that tournament and the winner on my list is Bernd Wiesberger, right? one shot over Matthew Fitzpatrick. He was three shots behind Fitzpatrick uh, at the start of the day, quickly made up ground. It's his third win in 13 starts, and he now leads the race to Dubai. Um, I think he is firmly on uh, the radar for the Ryder Cup next year. Now, obviously he sat outside the top 300 six months ago after missing a lot of golf with a wrist injury. Um, And for, and for Matt Fitzpatrick, obviously um, always the bridesmaid, never the bride, unfortunately in Rome. It's the fourth, fourth time he's finished second in Rome. So, uh Bernd Wiesberger is my winner for the weekend from the European Tour. Another really good story, Marshy. Um, a guy who's toiled hard to to get on the European Tour and stay on the European Tour and then come back from injury. Um, you know, he's now ranked 22nd in, um, in the world and, and he's playing some some really, really good golf. Oh, absolutely, dritz And at 34 years of
0: age as well, I think it's, you know... Lanto Griffin um, in his early 30s. Scott Harrington, we we just mentioned 38 years of old, Bernd Wiesberger, um, 34 years of age. Great to see these players uh, probably at the more mature end of the scale considering so much hype these days around your Morikawa, your Hovlands, your champs mm-hmm. in their early 20s, that next wave. Great to see these guys who won't necessarily bomb it as long as those younger players, but it's the finesse. And it just goes to show that it's not all right. bomb and gouge golf. It is, it is a game of touch, a game of feel. And to see a player like Bern Wiesberger come back from a, a really serious injury, you know, wrists can be, mm. um, can be catastrophic in terms of the remainder of your career. And he's certainly overcome that with the third win in his last 13 starts. So, yeah, excellent to see Bern Wiesberger return to form. And no doubt, I think, one of, one of the great exports of Austrian golf. You don't see many Austrian golfers. Out no, there you dudes and, Skiers. And Bern, <laughs> yeah, the, the old skier, and uh, he's Bern Wiesberger, he is certainly flying the flag. I just wanted to quickly touch on um, Englishman Matty Fitzpatrick. You mentioned him there, mm. obviously. Uh, finishing runner-up in this tournament. He he is, I feel, uh, Druids, on the precipice of really uh, catapulting himself into that top tier of, of, of the very best players on tour. So that is his fourth solo second since March. Uh, he's only missed two cuts in his past 23 events. He made the cut in all four uh, of, of the majors last year, finishing within the top 20 in three of the four of them. And he is the youngest player to win five times uh, on the European Tour. He was actually shooting this weekend to become the first player to win six tournaments before 26 years of age. So he, uh, I, I think he, you know, he's about to start his first full season on the PGA Tour once his European Tour commitments uh, finish up. And, and he could be on the precipice, Roots. With that in mind, uh, of all he's already achieved, uh, I feel like we've been talking about him already for years, but Matt Fitzpatrick about to announce himself, I think, in a big way over in the States.
1: On the bubble. On the
0: bubble,
1: as <laughs> they so say, exactly. hey, uh, speaking exactly of wrist at injuries, at I've hurt, I, I have also hurt my wrist, but that's because I chunk my irons like no tomorrow. So, um, and the ground's pretty hard here in WA, so, um, <laughs> hopefully that's not <laughs> <all. laughs> what has been, um, yeah, working yeah. through. York's Two other sites, uh, swing related, you're just uh, swinging deep into the ground, yeah, uh, whereas sh- <laughs> a little bit more polished. Uh two other side notes from the European uh, sorry from the Italian Open. Um Rob McIntyre now the 623 meter par 5 in two shots with one of the best drivers off the deck I've ever seen in my life. Just find the video online and listen to the sound this makes coming off the club face. It is absolutely spectacular and Tyrrell Hatton um comical was distracted midway through his backswing uh it, I think it was um an approach shot by none other than his fiance who was coming out of a public toilet, pretty funny stuff. um, And and it's good to be able to see him um, able to have a, a, I suppose a bit of a laugh about it, but, but also probably half serious I'd
0: suggest as well. Um yeah funny I'd love to be a fly on the wall in the conversation between the two of them uh, back in the hotel room at the end of the day however uh, as you say I had a laugh and I don't think I don't think there's many other players other than Trell Hatton who could have taken that the stride in the manner that he did so credit to him
1: Absolutely, my final winner before we get into the losers, KM, um, is the Internationals Presidents Cup team. I've put them on the winners list. You put Ernie Els's hairline on the losers list a fortnight ago. I think the process might just big got easy.
0: Us. I think pulling it out
1: surely. Uh, with, yeah, with, with, well, with, potentially. With,
0: with I, captain's picks.
1: I think he's, his process has perhaps maybe got a little easier. Maybe, maybe some might see it as a little harder. I reckon Sung jae is a lock. Um, I reckon he's done enough. Um, obviously, we're going to deliver our predictions in a couple of weeks. Uh, they'll be uh, delivered in the first week of November. He overcame a seven-shot deficit at the Genesis Champs in, uh, on the Korean Tour. It wasn't the strongest field. I, I completely admit that. You can only beat who, who lines up, though. He's now ranked 44th in the world. He's playing in the CJ Cup this weekend. And I reckon a strong showing there all but confirms him to be playing uh, in Melbourne come December. So my three winners, Marshy, I'm going to hand over to you for the losers for the week, please.
0: And pretty broad brush on this first one, Dreads, but I'm going to give um, a bit of a brick bat to the PGA tour. And I say this, uh, I I say this, uh, I think, you know, we obviously, we gave them a bit of a whack uh, just a few minutes ago around their, their scheduling of the Houston open, but, uh, this is for a specific incident uh, just before the uh, the start of the first round. Now, Pat Perez, uh, a player that we are big fans of here at the 19th team. Well, well can
1: I interject? Because he was in my fantasy team. So, Pat Perez is currently on my shit list.
0: Yeah, and, and, and what I will say to you, and, and to, to the point, this is a part of the story, but he was a late withdrawal from mm. the Houston Open. Um, he, he did, to his credit, get in within, the, uh, within the, the time for an emergency to be elevated to the field. Ironically, it was uh, Australia's own Robert Allenby who uh, benefited from, uh, from Pat Perez's withdrawal. But Pat Perez's late withdrawal obviously cooked your fantasy team, which we'll get to a little bit later. However, uh, and this is, this is unfortunate. On the face of it, it was because he obviously had found some form uh, with his solo third mm. uh, the, the, the prior week. Uh, and, and, you know, that, that's come off the back of a frustrating year with calf complaints uh, in the lead-up to a good, a good performance, uh, finishing third behind Kevin Na last week. But a late withdrawal from the Houston Open. Now, the PGA Tour official uh, comms Twitter account. So, the PGA Tour comms listed the reason uh, for the late WD as a wrist injury. So, don't think much of it. Pat Perez, he's not uh, not sprightly. He's a player getting on in years. So, you mm. know, you've got you've to manage the load, manage the body. No worries. Uh, The only problem with that, Druids, is not too long after that tweet was sent out by PGA Tour comms, uh, Aussie uh, Steve Elkington, the Great Elk, uh, who's a very close friend of Pat Perez's, uh, himself put on Twitter that uh, Perez had, in fact, received a late invitation to Korea and Japan to play in the CJ Cup and the Zozo Championship. And so in order to uh, keep himself fresh, he withdrew from the Houston Open. So we've got the PGA Tour com saying a wrist injury. We've got a close friend in Steve Elkington saying, no, in fact, it was a late invitation to go and play in the lucrative tournaments in Asia. And not too long after that, um, via uh, Pat Press's wife, uh, Ashley, her Instagram account, she confirmed that there is no injury. I've been getting millions of texts. She said, I, I want to make sure that everyone knows that Pat's all right. I can confirm he's off to, off to Asia. So, Druids, why pull the wool over our eyes? Yeah. What is the PGA Tour trying to do just, I mean, I don't think anyone, um, I don't think anyone thinks ill of Pat Perez for going and playing in the big purse tournaments. Because every man and his dog withdrew from Houston to go over and prepare for the CJ Cup. So Pat Perez is no different. He gets the late invitation. I don't think that there's any ill feeling other than yourself with fantasy towards Pat Perez. So what is the tour trying to achieve by patronising the fans? I, I I thought it was really poor from the yeah, tour, I, and I agree. And no attempt even to 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 wind it back either. They stuck to their guns, and now make it look like fools. Yeah, I agree. It,
1: I don't know. It's sort of the latest in a in a string for the tour, isn't it? Of things that have probably put them on the embarrassing list. I think obviously this um, things around the driver testing, you know, poor crowds have obviously been a talk um, early on. Oh, it's it's t- it, Look, I don't say that I would want to be the commissioner of the PGA Tour. I'm not saying it's an easy job, um, but maybe just agree. for a day. Maybe no, just for I'll, a day. I'll, we might, we might, we might, we
0: might explore day. that in a later episode. What we one would day. do with 24 hours in the big seat? But don't pull uh, but all I over don't. our eyes. Agree. 100. percent. Just treat us like we. The fans are the, the fans game. are the game. Yeah, like, agree. Make no mistake about that, that, that. It's as true in golf as in any other sport. The fans are the game. So don't stuff Great. us around. It's pretty Agreed. simple. Loser number two, Droods. Uh, it's a topic that we have skirted around the edges of mm. the first uh, few episodes of the 19th T because I think it is a bit of a uh, bit of a rabbit, Warren, but slow play. And I think the losers this week are uh, slow play deniers. I put them in a nice little box, uh, box with climate change deniers. Uh, I think that they, uh, they, they both subscribe to the same sort of science and thinking. People who believe that slow play is not an issue or that it can't be fixed. Well, to those people I say, have a listen to the story of 27-year-old Belgian Thomas Peters, who sent an incredibly strong message, essentially a bit of a a B.O. Kim up yours to the Mm. slow play deniers over the weekend routes on the European tour. He, uh, granted, was well out of contention, um, so zero pressure, but he was first off in the final round of the Italian Open as a single, so didn't play with anybody else. First off on Sunday as a single. He shot even par 71, the same score uh, he recorded uh, in his opening two rounds do you know what was different he did it in an hour and 59 <laughs> minutes flying an hour and 59 minutes to shoot an even past 71 out uh, bonus he 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 told the press that he burnt 1300 uh, calories in the process uh, and according to uh, the fitness app he, he regularly uses on his on his watch his heart rate was in fact lower then after it, one of his usual golf-related workouts in the gyms. But he, he motored, Drew. It's one hour and 59 minutes. Now, this one-man protest from Thomas Peters is the latest in a line of players that uh, you know want to prove that playing slower isn't better. So our mate Salty, Kevin nah he shot an even past 70 at Eastlake in the exact same amount of time during the final round of the 2016 Tour Championship. While a year later in 2017, Wesley Bryan shot 69 in the final round of the BMW Championship in an incredible hour and twenty-eight minutes. So druids, to the deniers, I say slower is not better. And Belgian Thomas Peters has proved exactly that this week.
1: Bryson deChambeau. Are you listening?
0: Have a go and have a, go and have a beer and some frites with Thomas Peters, the Belgian, and sit down and discuss. You know, maybe just meet in the middle. I'm not saying be an hour and fifty nine, Bryson. Just don't be four hours and twenty. Maybe, Agreed. maybe somewhere around the, the three, three fifteen, and that would be a, a wonderful compromise. But a uh, big props to, to Thomas Peters for showing us that it's all possible. Now, trades into Agreed. our final, yes, loser of the week. This one, uh, you know, we we don't we don't like to talk too seriously on the 19th tee, uh, but but when when serious issues arise, you need to to pay them their due attention and uh, the the debate surrounding um, the European Tour's Saudi International has reared its head again this week, with uh, defending champion Dustin Johnson and world number one Brooks Kepka both announcing their intention to return to play in the 2020 edition of the, the tournament, uh, the first tournament on the Euro Tour's Desert Swing. Now. Uh, obviously, the inaugural tournament last year shrouded in controversy, following um, uh, the, the horrific assassination of Saudi national and Washington Post contributor Jamal Khashoggi at the hands uh, of the Saudi government, who later admitted guilt. That left the Euro tour, uh, I, I think, you know, completely red faced at the time. Um, you know, Keith Pelly, the commissioner, a number of high profile players, including um, Kepka Johnson, others in the field, Justin Rose, Bryson DeChambeau, at the time. All having to answer questions about their involvement in the tournament. But to see them go back, I think, and involve themselves in this tour, uh, I've, got a real, I've got a real issue with it, Drew. And, and to be fair, I, I, read the, I read the comments from both Brooks Kepka and Dustin Johnson. I want to read you a, a snippet from both. I'd be surprised if either of them saw these before they were printed, let alone said the words themselves. So, uh, Brooks Kepka, Uh, In in response to the question, allegedly Brooks kept this to this, the response to the question about his his willingness to return and whether he thought it was um, a good look. I'm excited to be returning to Saudi Arabia after an enjoyable visit last year. The golf course is one of the best I've played in the region. Uh, I wonder how much golf Brooks has actually played Mm -hmm. in, in, in the Saudi region. With incredible scenery, including some breathtaking views of the Red Sea. The event is an opportunity to showcase the work being done to grow the game of golf in the kingdom. Uh, which was evidenced by the enthusiastic fans last year. It is great to be involved with the initiative and I look forward to seeing the progress Golf Saudi has made in the past year. If that is not uh, produced right out of the Kingdom's PR department, yeah. uh, and as I said, I'd be surprised that Brooks has even seen it, let alone said it, it just reeks, of, of, of poor judgment from these players. It's a reminder that cash is king because I'd, I'd, yep. I'd hate oh, to see the figures on their way to appear in Saudi Arabia. And I just don't like the fact... Um, that it brings politics into the golf despite it being incredibly difficult to avoid that now with one of the biggest uh, golf course developers in the world also happening to be the President of the United States uh, it's hard not to avoid politics coming into the game at present but we don't have to force the hand by you know what I would what I would argue is the, the leading tour in the Euro Tour hmm. taking a taking a, a tournament to a place that uh, you know as, is abhorrent and distasteful to most people
1: yeah I, I couldn't agree more and, and I flick this Story to you yesterday, and and obviously I, I really toyed whether we should talk about it and and, and bring it up on on the pod because we, as you mentioned, we don't like to be too too serious. We are, I suppose, half informative some of the time, but um, I just I think what you said, cash is king, nailed it on the head for me. The European tour, in my opinion, needs to take a very good look at itself. The tournaments that they have delivered this year. Um, have been absolutely fantastic. Um, The golf that is available on mainland Europe is sensational. It is world-class. It is world-leading. I cannot, for the life of me, understand why, in this day and age, we need to take golf to a country and a region that oppresses Millions of women, men, and children, um, and I well, find well, it Drew, it's, re-
0: there'll be no women. There'll be no women at the tournament uh, because they're not allowed to go and watch. Ex- ex- exactly my point uh, in the crowd because females are not allowed to go and watch the tournament.
1: Exactly this is my the point. And I'm that
0: the European tour is in bed with.
1: And I, I'm really disappointed in the players that go and play it, um, and, and and obviously, look, I'm I'm not in the position um, of having. You know, a six, seven figure check thrown at me to come and play a golf tournament. So I'm, I obviously you know don't have that context, but it is a um, really disappointing and, I, and I, I' obviously struggling to find the words a little bit to, to describe um, how I feel about this, but um, I think it is um, a really, really poor judgment by the European Tour to continue to to run and host this event and associate themselves. Um, with, a, with an abhorrent regime.
0: Couldn't agree with you more, Drew. And, I, and that's probably I think,
1: the most serious uh, we'll bloody get on this podcast too.
0: Absolutely. Let's draw a line underneath that and, and, and move well and, and <laughs> Let's truly it. on out. On to some uh, more positive, yes. positive news. Should we take a look at uh, maybe how a few of the Australians have fared across the tour? Or do we want to uh, kickstart that conversation by talking about what was a fantastic event out in, uh, out in the, the very, very depths of Western Australia in Kalgoorlie, the WAPGA Championship.
1: Absolutely. Let's combine the two together and we'll do a bit of a whip around of the Aussies that were on tour. And we're going to kick it off with the PGA Tour of Australasia. The tour, of course, returned with the WAPGA Championship in Kalgoorlie. This is a stunning, stunning golf course. Of course, the red dirt of Kalgoorlie. The bright green grass, um, absolutely beautiful. Darren Beck overcame a a slow start on the final day to record his first win in more than a decade. He only needed, and let me put a very fine point on this, he needed eight putts on the back nine. Eight across nine holes. I need eight putts on one hole sometimes. And he's needed that for nine, um, including six birdies on the back nine. So... um, Unbelievable. Great work um, to, to Darren. It's uh, a fantastic, fantastic result for him. Um, I know that he's uh, he's teeing it up this weekend at the, at the WA Open, which we'll chat about a little bit later on. But we'll do a, a very quick rip around, whip around, Marshy. Um, at the uh, On the Champions Tour, a really good result for David McKenzie. He finished 15 under, which was outright second um, at the SAS Championship at uh, Preston Wood uh, Country Club in North Carolina. He was only one shot back. Broad Pampling was T12 at eight under. The Italian Open had some uh, really good results for the Aussies. Lucas Herbert was uh, T34-3 under Wade Wade Ormsby, two under at T14. Jason Scrivener, even par T55. The Bridgestone Open, unfortunately, was um, shortened to 36 holes due to the typhoon that's obviously been ravaging Japan at the moment. Um, Brad Kennedy finished T6 at eight under, and then a host of Aussies uh, were further back there. The Houston Open, um, I suppose, was disappointing from an Australian perspective. Rain Gibson was the only Aussie to make the cut, uh, and even he finished at eight over to finish things up. Uh, Aaron Baddeley, John Send, and Robert Allenby, Cam Davis, Joe, uh, and those four all missed the cut. Matt Jones withdrew after a first round of 73. At the Genesis Championship, um, as we were talking about before, obviously won by Sungjae Jae-im. Uh, Minwin Lee finished T6 at 4-under. Um, and then the Macau Championship uh, on the PGA Tour China, Aaron Wilkin finished T5 at 13-under. So, again, a little bit of a mixed bag, but certainly looking a little more positive uh, for yeah, trending up for, sure, for the Aussies. Absolutely. Yeah, the Aussies absolutely. And, so, and
0: that's great news. Great news, Drudes, uh, as many of them uh, in the coming weeks will start their swing back home for a bit summer. Absolutely. Uh, very excited. Home soil, so, great to see them get moving speaking of a big summer on home yes. soils and uh, moving on to some uh, other quick news tidbits and I thought this was uh, this for mine there's a reason why this is leading our, our our news section because I think it's one of the best if not the best stories of the week now uh, just a couple of days ago the president's cup announced uh, that Uh, The Disabled Golf Cup will be taking place alongside the President's Cup tournament at Royal Melbourne. So USPGA Tour officials have confirmed that 12 of the world's leading golfers with a disability from six different countries will compete in the ISPS Handa Disabled Golf Cup at Royal Melbourne. The event to be contested on the Friday after the President's Cup second session of play uh, will be... In the uh, kind of an Australia versus the world format uh, type competition, so it'll take place on ten holes of Royal Melbourne's composite course, uh, played off the same tees and obviously the same conditions uh, as the Presidents Cup uh, that'll take place uh, across the weekend. Big shout out to the Aussies who've made the Australian team: Tony Coates, Shane Luke, Jeff Nicholas, Cameron Pollard, Stephen Pryor, and Mike Rolls. This is great, Drew. So it's obviously a cause very close to Ernie Els's heart, the captain of the international team, and he came out. I saw on Twitter the other day and through his full support behind this concept. Uh, he, of course, uh, has a son with, with autism and he has the um, L's for Autism Foundation, uh, but uh, very, very passionate about this and, and wonderful to see the USPGA Tour um, throw, their, throw their weight behind, I suppose, featuring All Abilities Golf. Um, it also follows the announcement last month of the inaugural WA Open All Abilities Championship, which will be contested this weekend as part of the WA Open at Cottesloe Golf Club. So, Drew, I think, wonderful to see. Um, and I suppose golf's always been right at the forefront of inclusion and, and ensuring that there are pathways for all people who love the game. And, and I think for uh, for their decision to be made to, I suppose, showcase uh, the Disabled Golf Cup on one of the highest stages in the President's Cup, I, you know, I, I couldn't, be, uh, couldn't be prouder to be, I, I suppose, a fan of the game at this time.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It's going to be awesome. I'm obviously going to be there. Um, so i'm really looking forward to that just to um, to be a uh, a spectator um, to the to such a, a cause that's you know obviously very close to our hearts i suppose as well marshy um so i'm really looking forward to that one as much as i am looking forward to to seeing uh, the president's cup in action as well um moving on to our next piece of business that i popped in in here Henrik Stenson's three would A moment of silence. Wow. RIP. Hasn't it? He's long serving three wood gone done and dusted. It posed the question.
0: eight Eight or nine years.
1: Yeah. It's, isn't it funny though? Eight or nine years is probably how long I've had my clubs for. And I'm like, uh, I just wouldn't even consider throwing my clubs out because I'm not in that position to, to throw my clubs out. Yeah, but um, I suppose on,
0: on, on the flip side, if you consider, so Henrik's obviously a, a Callaway staff, It was a Callaway three wood uh, yeah. that he has held on to for that amount of time. You think of the amount of three woods they've produced in the time since Absolutely. and the conversations they've probably had on a yearly basis trying to convince him to stock the latest three wood mm. and just no go because he obviously had... Uh, you know, an intimate connection with his club. He yeah, had that famous press conference. Uh, I think it was last year where um, a journalist asked him uh, to choose between his wife and his three wood. And he said, it's quite easy. It's my three wood. And then hmm. checked his watch and said, it's okay. She's asleep at home. I'm, I'm safe for the next eight hours. So he's <laughs> obviously got quite a, or had a quite a uh, quite connected uh, to it. connection to the, uh, hmm. to, to the three wood. And sadly uh, later laid it, laid it to rest uh, earlier this week.
1: It posed a question to us though very quickly because I, I do know we want to keep our podcast uh, somewhat a little bit shorter, but what club are you most attached to and why? And I'm going to pose the question to you firstly, Marshy, um, but we'd also love to hear from our listeners as well at the 19th Tee on uh, Twitter and Instagram. What club are you most attached to and why? So what's in the bag, Marshy, that you're just not giving up?
0: So for me, Drew, it's my putter actually. Okay. Uh, and quite interestingly, uh, a year or two ago, my uncle, who mm-hmm. um, was quite into the game, and he's in his twenties. Uh, he, he tapped me on the shoulder and he said, "Look, I'm, I'm I'm thinking of giving away my clubs. Did you want to take a look at the set before I do?" So I said, "Absolutely." Um, stumbled across some pretty nice graphite shaft irons. If I'm if I'm fair uh, mm-hmm. f- for their age, but the jewel in the in, in the in the crown was was the putter. It's a uh, it's a Ping Answer to putter. Nice. So one of the, uh, the the very very nice prototypes out of ping straight out of Phoenix um, as as the, the the stamp on the back of the putter tells me and uh, one, one of the originals it's it's one of those putters it's kind of like a you know the people who carry around an 18 year old Scotty Cameron because they don't make putters like they used to. Well, it's <laughs> the same with these these pings the ping answer too, one of the originals and you'd have to prize that out of my hand it'll either break or it'll be stolen, Drew's because I, I
1: don't think I'll ever give that putter up. Well, may as well keep it in the bag for as long as you can. And yourself? Mine is my sixty-four degree pitching wedge. Now, sixty-four degrees is a hell of a lot of loft, and I've it's never been happening there. yeah, I've never really been able to hit it hugely well. But I've been working and working and working at the Chipping Green, um, and um, I have no, I suppose, emotional connection to it, uh, like a story like yours. Um, But it was the first club that I actually went out and purchased that wasn't part of the set that I bought. Um, I said, I need something with a bit more loft. Like, I can't hit the bloody ball off the ground. And so I got the 64-degree wedge. And now um, I've started to get a lot better with it. I use it out of the bunkers. I use it um, for little bump and runs if I need it to um, to roll on a little bit, I can open the, the face up and get it to sort of pitch and stop. Um, so I, I'm very fond of my 64 degree pitching wedge. Um, and it's, um, it's got the black face, like the black matte face on it, Yes, um, which, which, um, I've slowly started to hit a few more balls with it. Um, and, um, I'm getting that consistency a lot better. And the, the, um, I suppose, the zoning um, is starting to be nice and in the middle and the, the black is starting to fade off and it's starting to become a little bit more silver, which makes me look a lot more professional and like I can hit the middle of the ball quite regularly, which is <laughs> absolute malarkey.
0: So my part are your 64 degree. And as you say, we would encourage uh, feedback from our listeners at the 19th T podcast on either Instagram or Twitter. What is the club you are most connected to in your bag? and why. Druids, uh, speaking uh, as we do, uh, and we like to feature innovative new uh, ideas in the game and formats, mm. what an outstanding announcement out of, uh, out of Europe overnight. I know we gave the European tour a bit of a whack, and rightly so, a little earlier, uh, with their involvement in the Saudi international. Uh, but this is fantastic. So, overnight, um, Annika Sorenstam, uh, there's a few bigger names in the, the women's goat. game than Annika Sorenstam and a man we were just speaking about, Henrik Stenson, uh, they announced the debut of the Scandinavian Mixed. Uh, it's a new event where men and women players will compete alongside each other for the same prize money and the same trophy, co-sanctioned by both the European Tour and the Ladies European Tour. It's going to be played at the Brohoff Slot. Brohoff Slot, say that five times fast. I club in Stockholm, Sweden. In, yeah, I said Slot, mid-June 2020. Uh, set to feature 78 men, 78 women competing for a, a 1.5 million euro purse. Uh, players will also earn official uh, uh, world ranking points for both tours, plus race to Dubai and Ryder Cup points for the European Tour members and also order of merit points for the ladies European Tour. I love to see this, Drudes. obviously yeah, really a cool. little concept last year down here in Australia at the Victorian Open where mm. we had men and women playing alongside each other. But credit where it's due to both the European tour and the ladies' European tour for for, for pioneering a, uh, you know, a pretty innovative format. And I think it's something, knowing the the type of fans the European tour attracts, I think it's something that'll, that'll bring out uh, the golf fans, no doubt, at the Brohoff Slot Club. And as we said, uh, if you're going to, from a European golf perspective, if you're going to put two names at the forefront of this when, when we speak about Scandinavian golf, I don't think you could have picked better than annika Zoramson and Eric Stenson. Yeah, I agree.
1: And uh, I'm sure we'll get to it in a, in a future episode, but I, I just don't see why this can't be the future. Um, why yeah. uh, I, I still, I still personally question why do we have women's teas? what, 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 what purpose does that serve? Um, it'll be really
0: interesting to see you know when this tour uh you know i'm being presumptuous but i think it'll be a success when this tour ingrains itself uh, on the schedule each and every year what what the trickle-down effect of that is and you know i think it's important that the men's and the ladies have their own standalone tours because uh you know for their own uh achievement's sake i think that is significant but to have a number of these tournaments i think across the year where they, they compete alongside each other i think that's only great for the game and you know, we we make light a little bit of hashtag grow the game, but concepts like this, uh, you know, you know that they 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 push the boundaries. They're a bit of a disruption to that model that we're so critical of um, that, that golf has been for so many years. Golf needs to be forward thinking, and concepts like this are certainly that. So I'm really looking forward to to mid June and, and tuning into what should be a a great inaugural uh, edition of the Scandinavian Mixed.
1: Should be really cool. Really looking forward to it. Hey, um, a question we pose to each other. Is Phil Mickelson's 26 year streak about to come to an end? And if you don't know what I'm talking about, I'm about to tell you, he currently sits 47th on the world golf rankings. And depending on this week's CJ cup in South Korea, he's in danger of dropping out of the top 50 for the first time in get this 1,351 weeks, November 27, 1993. um, I'd only graced uh, the world for 27 days. Um, was the last time that he did not sit inside the top 50. The top draw at the box office, Marshy, have a guess.
0: 1993, maybe a. Some good movies Star that Star
1: Wars or. Yeah, oh, Mrs. Doubtfire. Close. Oh, <laughs> Robin, Robin Williams, rest in peace. Robin Williams at his absolute uh, peak. Stunning movie. Um, and Meatloaf's uh, I'd Do Anything for Love, but I won't do that. Was number one on the music charts. Nick Faldo was number one. Tiger was a senior um, in high school. And um, obviously Brooks Koepka, the current world number one, was just three years old. It is very, very unlikely to happen that we we should preface that. Um. But obviously, we do want to um, just just mention it because his inconsistent form of late is um, going to make this very interesting to watch. Indeed, all in all, I hope Phil doesn't drop out of the top fifty.
0: Oh, absolutely, and I think I mean, geez, he's looking good at present. He has dropped some kilos and and, and added some tone on that uh, on that aging you know, aging chariot of his, and he's looking. Best he's probably looked in years, but one thousand three hundred fifty-one weeks in the Long top fifty—that's unbelievable and and we love the lefty uh you know i've got a real soft spot for phil and i think what he's bringing to the game uh, off the course in terms of his his work to promote golf in his own unique fashion is fantastic so uh you know for, for the romantic in me and i'm sure you'd agree we'd like to see that streak continue as Absolutely. You know, power to him we'd like to see it uh see it push on but it's a great story and one we'll watch with interest uh, at the cj cup over the weekend now Drew's just one final piece in news. Uh, this, I thought, was, it was a great little story. So, yeah. uh, former world number one amateur uh, and, and a man playing in his first season of PGA Tour Golf, Maverick McNeely. Uh, he was playing at the Houston Open on the weekend. Started fantastically out the gate. 68 on Thursday uh, and then fell off a bit of a cliff in the middle round. 74 and 73. So Saturday night, uh, Houston time, he gets a call from his girlfriend, who just happens to be LPGA Tour star Danielle Kang. And uh, in in Maverick's own words, got a bit of a talking to. So Danielle's <laughs> laid the law down to him: um, pull your finger out, Mav. And you're heading into the final round. You're better than what you've uh, what you've shown on Friday and Saturday. And he revealed that she gave him three very simple instructions. One: don't look at the leaderboard. Do not look at the leaderboard at any point on Sunday. Two, give your uh, entire focus to every single shot. So when you're standing over the ball, nothing else is in your mind. Three, say two good things to yourself after every stroke. Hit a ball, immediately think of two positives in your mind. I'll tell you what, Droots, the message was received loud and clear because he shot the low round on Sunday, a 7 under 65, which catapulted him 29 spots up the leaderboard for a T17 finish. So Daniel Kang has done, uh, done done Mav McNeely a huge favor on, on Sunday. And it begged the question because I thought, you know, when I look back at that, Mav McNeely's applied that at the Houston open. That, that's, that's three things that could be applied, uh, you know, on, on a weekend round for you and I, or, or any, um, you know, weekend hacker. So I, I really thought that uh, it was beneficial to, to kind of read that story and understand that, Players, no matter what their level is, uh, you know the the simple things, the ability to focus on each shot, to um, you know hit the ball and immediately focus on some positives, to not um, be focused on your score but rather the the, the next shot. Uh, those are things, as I said, that are applicable to all levels of golf. And and made me wonder, uh, Druids, what what your mantra is when you're standing over the ball? Because obviously, this this you know. The, breaking it down to three simple steps work for Mav McNeely. So what works for Druids?
1: Not a lot. Um, <laughs> if I'm honest, um, no, look, uh, maybe, maybe it, you need to employ this. Maybe yeah. that's the secret. That's what's missing. Say two good things to yourself after every stroke, Jesus Christ. Difficult, Say two difficult good to things find yourself after every round. Um, <laughs> no, look, the mental game, uh, is actually something that I've been trying to work on quite a little bit. Um, and focusing and trying to stay focused, but still have fun while I'm out there. Look, at the end of the day, I'm not, I'm not going to make a career out of golf. Um, I'm out there to enjoy courses and, and have fun. So that's been something that I've really um, tried to instill in myself is enjoy the round. But when I'm over my shot, um, particularly um, aside from putting, it's, it's don't hit the ball too hard because I fall into the trap of getting to the top of my swing and thinking the harder that I swing this bloody club, the further the ball's going to go. Um, I've also tried to to let go um, of thinking that I'm a PGA Tour player, um, and that I can punch my um, pitching wedge or, from a hundred. Making a late run for the, uh, the, 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 just,
0: the for tour. just for anything,
1: um, <laughs> just for anything, and that I can on the weekend. <laughs> just just to shoot bloody par, um, <laughs> you know, just, that I can shoot my pitching wedge from a hundred yards and get it to stop on a dime. So just being more to play in in my game, but the main thing for me is really don't hit the ball um, too hard. So um, what are you thinking about when when you're over the ball? Maybe pre-ball, are you thinking anything? Typically a lot.
0: And I think that's one of my biggest problems. Mm. Uh, people who have played with me in the past, and I know that there's a few listening, will attest that it's generally very loud in Marshy's head as he steps up to... <laughs> steps up to the ball there's a lot happening and and i think what i've tried to do of late uh is simplify really narrow it down to some key um focus areas and i'm standing over the ball and i've actually a couple of really important things that i think have helped me in recent in recent rounds is um taking two deep breaths being conscious of in through the nose out through the mouth two deep breaths as i'm standing over the ball Uh, another really valuable piece of advice that i got was to focus in on a single dimple I'm often probably guilty of lifting my head or lifting mm-hmm. my body uh, just before the point of impact. So in order to stay down, focus in on a single dimple on the ball, which I've found incredibly useful. It's actually been, uh, it's probably been a game changer for me in terms of staying over the ball at the point of contact. And in terms of what goes through my mind, I'm thinking three things as I stand over the ball. So the first is uh, slow and wide back. I don't like to rush to the top of my swing. So I like to take the, the club on the wide arc back. Touch the top, I'm conscious that I don't always reach the top of my swing and that can you know, obviously discount me a little bit of distance. So I'm conscious of getting to the top and touching the top. And then rather than think about pace down, uh, you know, because I'm probably similarly guilty of you of trying to belt the cover off the ball. So trying to take the focus off the pace and thinking about swinging through to the target. So I've always picked out a visual target up the fairway. So swing the club through to the target. And I find that um, inherently that will bring my acceleration through the ball, but it's not necessarily me focusing on trying to belt the piss out of it. If that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely makes
1: sense. I like the dimple thing. I might try that. I'm going to go to the oh, range. Give it a shot it's tomorrow morning. It,
0: it, honestly, it's a game changer. Focusing in on a single dimple in order to keep your your, your body centered. And over the ball while you're making contact, it's a uh, it's it's a huge game changer. So, be interested to hear as well uh, from the listeners. Drud's at the 19th Tee Podcast. Yes. I know we're asking for plenty this week, but uh, you know, if you're going to subscribe, do your homework. That's all we ask. And Absolutely. we just give give us an idea of what uh, what your mantra is or what you're thinking about as you're uh, you're standing over the ball at the 19th Tee Podcast. Now, Drud's very briefly, uh, I know yes. because primarily you won't want to talk about it. No, I'm back in a big way. PGA Tour Fantasy, Lanto Griffin in the side this week. I get the bonus on the winners. And what, just two weeks ago, looked like an insurmountable
1: climb. I am right on your tail, my friend. Yeah, that you are. Um, I had Lanto Griffin last week. Couldn't win last week, could he? Um, no. What you didn't have this week was many players beyond the first two rounds. Yeah. What I didn't have this week was an option on the bench because Pat Perez is pissed off to Asia. Um, you know, he he said, "I, you know, withdrew with plenty of time. Yeah, you did Pat, but what you didn't allow for is your fans in Australia who were in bed at the time that you withdrew. And by the time they woke up, the tournament had started. So you cooked me this week. I played Sebastian Munoz for the second time. El Jefe. Um, Jefe, Yep. He was one of the only players who actually played, uh, Harris English. It was a disaster of a week and I don't want to talk about it. I was beaten by neck oils. Um, and I plan to be back in a big way this week. Um, with, I don't know, what sort of strategy. I've got to come up with something because uh, I yeah, need I'm to push within, my lead out.
0: I'm back within 200, which really is really exciting, uh, You know, courtesy of the great form of Lanto Griffin and the bonus for having the winner in the team. But uh, as you say, it's difficult this week moving forward, Roots, and, and probably for the next few, because this Asian uh, tour run, we've got a lot of players. It's mm. stacked fields. And so, you know, making a decision... a Yeah, well, it's going to be a bit of a crap shit, really. And, and I think there's probably... You know, anywhere up to um, seven to ten players who could win across the next two to three weeks. So, be interesting to see. Uh, congratulations again to Neck Oils, uh, who has joined us in the public yes. league, the 19th T podcast. We'd love be a fourth. To do so. We would love a fourth. It's it's always difficult playing three ball, so please join. Uh, 19th T podcast public league on PJ Two of Fantasy. But he even managed to beat you this week. So great effort for Neck Oils. And we look ahead. <laughs> To the CJ Cup, as we do right now, Druids. Yes. Uh, getting underway. The first of three PGA Tour events in a row in Asia, kicking off uh, at the Nine Bridges Club this, this week.
1: Yeah. Nine bridges that has eight. Just FYI. <laughs> fun fact. Not so fun. I, honestly, I thought... I just thought that it'd be more more organised than that. Anyway, uh, look, this is going to be a really really exciting tournament. It is the best tournament that is on the on, on the tour card early. Um, obviously, Brooks is defending his title. Justin Thomas, Jordan Spieth makes his uh, nineteen twenty debut. Phil plays for the first time this weekend. Um, plays the tournament for the first time this weekend. Jason Day heads up the Aussies alongside Leash. It is a very very strong field. Marshy five hundred FedEx Cup. Um, points on offer so not it's the same as what we've seen early on um but 1.7 million in uh cash up for grabs which is the biggest of the season so far brooks uh, brooks has set the course record uh he did so last year it is a past 72 it's going to be very very interesting to watch uh how this one pans out this week um it's a stacked field um i i don't really know how to assess this on face value i think i've probably got to watch it um, and just see how the coverage is put on, and and um, I suppose um, the the level of competitions that is there, because I would expect it to be quite heavy, given uh, the the caliber of player that is uh, teeing it up this weekend at uh, the oh, Nine think- Bridges.
0: I think it'll be fantastic, Drew. It's irrespective of who is the eventual winner. I think we're going to see some great competitive golf over the next four days. I'm really interested probably in two things. It's the Aussies. Hmm. So um, how, how's Leisha's back? We've obviously had some conversations around that this uh, this year and, and in particular in the last few weeks, but how he's managing those, um, those bulging disc issues in his back ahead of a massive summer. I mean, he is, he is the strongest player in that international team, the President's Cup. So his health is paramount uh, for us. And, and also Jason Day. I mean, there's, there's a lot of um, talk around uh, his, uh, his probably nigh-on guarantee of, of being a captain's pick of Ernie else mm-hmm. in that international team. Um, but, but I think Day needs to show some form heading into the summer. So really interested in the Great. Aussies. And of course, my boy, Flair Jordan makes his, makes his debut for the season. And I've got to tell you, Drudes, uh, 2018-19 on the PGA Tour was an aberration for Jordan Spieth. There will not be a repeat of last year. He putted the absolute lights out on the Tour last year. And I can't, I can't bring myself to imagine that a player with his ability can, can putt the way he did last year and not get it together this season. So he was oh, he has abominable. To. T to green last year, but he putted the lights out, let yeah. all the stats
1: for yeah. the
0: entire tour. So Jordan, I think I think he could be back in a big way this year. Drew. and I don't want to get too far ahead of myself, but uh, real soft spot, you know, he's my boy, and I'm really really excited to see Jay Spieth back uh, in the field this week at the the CJ cup. But uh, as you say, across the board, exciting field, a uh, really exciting tournament uh, as it is exciting. Drew's to see the LPGA tour. return yes. This week also in Asia. So the LPGA tour, the Buick LPGA Shanghai, a $2.1 million purse. Uh, we've mentioned her name already in this podcast, but Danielle Kang is the defending champ. She was a two stroke winner over New Zealand's Lydia Ko. Uh, last yeah, uh, funnily enough, that was Lydia Ko's 12th and most recent runner-up finish on the LPGA Tour. So, uh, always the bridesmaid, never the bride, prod Lydia Ko, a fantastic player from New Zealand and, and she's back. We'll keep an eye on her this week. Uh, it's the beginning of a four-tournament stretch in Asia, including Korea, Taiwan and Japan. So, the, uh, the LPGA Tour during the Asian Loop in the next few weeks. Uh, the field for these events are limited to the top 80. Uh, on the LPGA Tour money list. So we're seeing the very best of the best. It also features players from the China LPGA, Korea LPGA, Japan LPGA and Taiwan LPGA. So good to see some local flavors in the next few weeks for the LPGA Tour and no cuts. So interesting concept there, Druids. It, hmm. it's, it's also happening in the CJ, CJ Cup, no yeah. cut event. Uh, no cut events uh, in, in in the Asian swing, Druids. Uh, Aussies are headlining the action at the, uh, the Buick in Shanghai for the LPGA Tour, Minji Lee and Su Oh, uh, as I said, also uh, returning uh, Lydia Ko uh, trying to go one better this year. So I'm looking forward to this. The LPGA Tour back in a bang and, and some fantastic tournaments on the way in the next four weeks for the LPGA. But best of luck to the Aussies in the field, Minji Lee and Su Oh.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And then one close to home uh, for me is the WA Open, which is going to be running this weekend at the Cottesloe Golf Club. To try and get down there, I've been uh, liaising with Golf WA to try and get a little bit of access, and they've been very accommodating thus far. A pretty good field assembled, it's no CJ Cup, but um, a pretty good field assembled. Brett Brett Rumford uh, is headlining, Darren Beck, of course, fresh off his WA PGA, Uh, Daniel Fox, Jared Felton, Michael Sim, local amateurs Josh Greer and Hayden Barron. Uh, Josh is representing the international side of the Junior President's Cup, and of course, Lucas Michelle. So this is my one yeah, goal man. this week: is bloody track down Lucas and get him on the pod. So I'm, I'm uh, I do have something on Saturday afternoon that I've got to get to, but I'm going to try and absolutely get down there. Uh, tee off at ten thirty on Saturday and Sunday, and tee off at six fifty in the morning on Thursday uh, uh, and Friday. There's a sixty-seven thousand dollar Volvo uh, pay-to-play uh, up for grabs uh, as a whole and one prize on the eleventh hole on Sunday. The most important part of this little plug for the WA Open for the West Australian listeners who are tuning in, this is free all weekend um, and you need to vote with your feet if you want West Australian golf to keep um, flourishing as it is. It's been a pretty good couple of weeks. So I encourage everyone to get down there and really have um, have a good look at some of the best locals going around, some up-and-comers as well. So should be should be a really good four days at, at, at the Cock Golf Club.
0: And not only, droods for the talent. So, yes, you know, vote with your feet to go and see some leading Australian talent, but vote with your feet if you've never been to the Corazone Golf Club. Yeah, uh, one of One of the great settings for a golf course in, in Western Australia, right down there on, uh, on the water, protected by the Army Barracks, but wonderful, wonderful club. And Absolutely I think beautiful. if you've not had the privilege of walking around, even driving through the gates uh, to, to take a look, <laughs> get along. Because you, you, you're not paying anything. You don't get to, you don't get that opportunity too often at COT. So get down there and vote with your feet to take a walk around the wonderful Cotterslow Golf Club. Droots, that probably just about wraps up. We'll us up. We'll get through a little bit of housekeeping as we do um, through this one. Let's take a look at the, uh, the cheeky monkey because I've got to tell you, yeah. uh, I didn't mind it. Punch in the face at the start, yeah. let's be honest, really, really, really wakes you up.
1: But, uh, you know, sipping on it on the, over the course of the past uh, 58 odd minutes, I, I've quite enjoyed it. Yeah, it's nice. It is a nice beer. Um, look, not my favorite double IPA that's been going around. I think this one's a little hoppier than 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 others. Um, Pirate Life do a beautiful uh, tropical IPA, which is really nice. 8.8%. It's it's just really big for mine. Um, you know, I think you can have one um and that's it. If you buy it in a four pack, you're probably not gonna sit down and have have all four of them in a session. Um nice beer, nice on the um Nice taste buds um, from from all the hops, but not very fruity. Not um, not the biggest fan, I must admit. Well, mate, I might
0: leave it uh, back in your capable hands to redeem yourself uh, for next week. Then I think you can you can. (laughs) I'm giving it three three monkeys out of five. Yeah, you can pick yourself back up off the floor next week and maybe choose uh, not a dessert beer.
1: <laughs> well, you know I love a dessert beer, but just not a bloody double IPA because, Jesus, uh, after goodness. dinner. All right, That's, yeah, that's just probably a, about uh, a wrap, eh?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Look, uh, don't forget, folks, at 19th Tea Podcast on both Twitter and Instagram, um, some real great content heading out there on the socials as we speak and, and also go back through the, uh, the, the catalogue. Uh, we, we're starting to build up a little bit of a past episode history uh, as we move along. And, and I must say, um, the one most previously to this, I really, really enjoyed. I know that uh, you were unable to join us due to work, commitments for truths, but uh, Queenslander Maverick Antcliffe was incredibly generous with his time and, and, and a fantastic story. And I'm, I'm really looking forward to keeping an eye on him, as we mentioned last week, currently leads the Order of Merit on the China Tour, Uh, He is now back in China for the final three tournaments uh, of that swing. And all things being equal, he should secure his European Tour card uh, ahead of returning home for a big Aussie summer. So, looking forward to having Maverick back on the show once that European Tour card is secured. So, go back and have a listen to that one. Andrews, speaking of things coming up, and speaking of Queenslanders, uh, Becky Kay, who's just turned pro. She played her first pro tournament at the Hero Women's Indian Open last week. Uh, very fortunate to spend some time with Becky on the phone uh, while she's in the US in the second stage of LPGA Tour Q School. So Becky K, that chat will be coming out uh, a little later this week. So some exciting guests. Great to have some names on the uh, on the on the 19th team. We certainly appreciate the time of those those up and coming Aussie players.
1: Absolutely, and one of the cracking stories as well. I'm not going to give away anything as to what it is you'll have to wait and see
0: it'll it'll be on our instagram absolutely keep an eye on the instagram at 19th t podcast for a little sneak peek at the story we're talking about from becky k but uh, what i will say droids is she's probably dropped uh the biggest name so far that's been dropped on the 19th t in terms of someone she's played golf with in the past Agree. agree looking forward to uh to sharing that with the listeners droids that'll do us thanks for your company for another week it's been a a busy week. It's it's not getting any uh, not getting any quieter, and I'm really looking. It's only going to get busier. Up. Up. Absolutely, mate. Really looking forward to things heating up as we head to Asia on both the PJ and LPGA, and we are of course inching closer to a massive summer of golf in Oz. So, mate, you enjoy your week and uh, enjoy your time out at the WA Open at Cot. Look forward to hearing about all that and more next week on the 19th
1: tee.